Let me tell you up front, things will look a little bit different over the next few minutes, but that's okay because the whole morning has been different, and what a fun morning. Um, when you combine preschool choir with baptisms, with prayer for missionaries, with Christmas music, man, that's fun. <laughs> like, sign me, sign me up for that. This church is so much fun to be a part of, and it's so neat how we're connected with the kingdom of God, the body of Christ around the world. And so if you're a guest of ours this morning, what you've walked into here is what is called our State of the Church Address. But I can promise you we're also going to study the Bible together, okay? So you're not just going to hear a State of the Church Address. We're going to study Scripture together as part of this. Emmaus members will complete this tonight at 5 o'clock at our annual business meeting where we talk about the budget and committees and all those church things. But what I want to put in front of you this morning is how God is at work in our church family and more specifically what that can mean in your life. So if you're a guest this morning and you're like, oh man, how'd I end up on State of the Church Sunday? No, no, no. I hope this is a gift to you. I hope this is an encouragement to you to serve at your church, to get involved there. And I hope you'll ask, God, what do you want to do in my heart? What do you want to do in my life this morning as we think about Scripture and we think about Hebrews chapter 11? When we get to the end of our time this morning, we're going to close with a time of prayer. I'm just going to lead you through a time of reflective prayer. If you're here this morning and you need someone to pray with you personally, or you're here this morning and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, you're ready to get baptized like we saw earlier, Come down here. We'll stay as long as we need to. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you. Don't leave this room without talking to somebody about God's work in your life. Okay, here we go. State of the Church Address 2023. Three years and three days from today, on Sunday, December the 6th, 2026, go ahead and add it to your calendar. Okay, I know you guys plan out that far, so just go ahead and add this to your calendar. Emmaus will celebrate its 40th anniversary as a church. As you might know, I suffer from a small obsession with the number three. You don't believe me, here's my high school baseball jersey, all right? Central High, Oklahoma, the Central Broncos, class of 2000, high school baseball jersey, number three. So the obsession has been with me for a long time. I like to think it's a God thing, the Trinity, or a reflection of God's character built into the world. Think about how artists or photographers use the idea of thirds, or comedians use the idea of three consecutive lines. Either way, it could just be a symptom of my overthinking, because you guys know I'm president of the Overthinking Club. So uh, at the conclusion of each of the past eight years that I've been pastor here, I presented a State of the Church address to summarize where we are as a church and where God might be leading us. If you're struggling with sleep, all of those are available online. Just go and get those. I presented each paper during the end-of-the-year business meeting on the Sunday night, but this year, at the urging of the staff, I wanted to incorporate part of the address into the Sunday morning worship service. So here's the plan. Using Hebrews 11, 1 through 7, as the foundation for this year's address, we're going to begin with a study of this passage and a focus on the theme of faith. If you go home today, or you go out to lunch, and someone asks you, what was the service about? Talk about the preschool choir, talk about the baptisms, talk about the missionaries and Christmas music. If you need one word for the sermon, the word is faith. That's the word you go home with today. Today, as we look at scripture, is all about faith. Then, I'd like to present a series of three-year frames for our church's future. Why three years? Well, it's obvious, but the, the number three. 
Also, we live in a world where things are changing so quickly that long-term planning needs to be broken down into smaller sections. And so each three-year frame must remain incredibly flexible. Take a dump truck to hold all the caveats and cautions with these plans. But we can't sit back in fear and passivity. We as a church, we as people need to move forward. We need to put our faith into action. That's where we turn to God's word. If you have your Bible open, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, the verses will be on the screen. Or if you happen to have a state of the church in front of you, those words are right there. We turn to God's word. His word is the foundation for everything we do this morning, everything we do as a church. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1, here's what it says. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the people of old, speaking about that old covenant, Old Testament, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, verse 3, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And then the famous verse 6 here. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, Noah constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me ask you this question as we start this morning. Are you a person of faith? If someone was to look at your life and describe your life, would they say, man, that person, that person is a person of faith? The term faith is core to our Christian life, but it's a word that also creates confusion and controversy. I want to walk through four misunderstandings of faith as we get started this morning. Four things that people might think faith is like this, but I would say they don't actually describe biblical faith. Number one, we're going to call it fuzzy faith. Proud of that phrase, fuzzy faith. We often say about people, that person is a person of faith. But this phrase can describe someone from virtually any religion or even someone who is spiritual but has no interest in Jesus, the Bible, or the church. Saying, I'm a person of faith, sounds good. It acknowledges there's more than just the material world, and, and, and faith is a great place to start a conversation. But faith, by its very nature, has to be faith in something, or we would say in someone. Faith is not just the act of trusting. Faith is based on the object or person in which we trust. What we believe matters. Number two, intellectual faith. So you saying faith is all about what I believe? Well, biblical faith is more than simply holding to a set of doctrines. This is that dry type of religion that a lot of people turn from when they grow up. The Bible talks about the faith once delivered to the saints, but even this faith, this theology, and let me be clear, we love theology at Emmaus. Uh, join us on Zoom on Wednesdays. We'll tell you, we love theology. We, we, this is important to us. Here's the caution, though. This theology, it impacts how we live. 
Faith is not passive, and faith is not only about the mind. Faith is not only for people who like to read. True theological faith is about belief in action. So here's another way to say it. Do I believe God? Do I relationally trust him? Or do I simply believe in God? Just believe these things I've been taught about him. Number three, word faith. This is your uh, TV preacher type of faith a lot of times. Another confusion about faith has to do with the so-called word faith movement. This is connected to a health and wealth, name and claim it approach to religion. In other words, if I truly have faith, then I will receive God's blessings that I ask for, especially material blessings of money, physical healing, or promotion. These blessings, and here's the caution, these blessings are supposedly based on my amount of faith, and this viewpoint can cause extreme hurt when someone is facing difficulty, sickness, mental health challenges, poverty, and that person begins to think these challenges are primarily because of their lack of faith. I'd just stop there and share a quick illustration. Someone in my life who means so much to me growing up, who was involved with this baseball shirt back in the day, I remember having a conversation with this person just a few years ago, and they were going through some really challenging mental health situations that they had been dealing with their whole life, but it really came out as they got older. And this person said to me, if I was really a person of faith, I wouldn't be feeling this way. Or I wouldn't be thinking these things. Or I wouldn't be facing this. Friends, be so careful in that moment. When you are facing anxiety or depression or some sort of difficulty, it is not tied back to the fact that I just don't have enough faith. Now there's growth that can happen. There's important conversations that you can happen. But the enemy can use that against you in some really dangerous ways where you begin to think, if I had faith... I wouldn't be facing this. There's hope. Turn to people. Reach out to people. We, we want to point you back toward the love of Jesus in, in those moments. Number four is what we might call blind faith. How about some other phrases you might have heard? Take a leap of faith, or we just need to have blind faith. These phrases aren't necessarily bad, but they can be potentially misleading because they imply we have little to no reason to believe something. Is that what biblical faith means? No, absolutely not, because I love school, and I love reading, I love research. Biblical faith doesn't mean you leave your brain at the door. Biblical faith has more to do with bending the knee and taking small steps than it does with leaping into the dark. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Not this new Indiana Jones movie. This is the real one back in the day, okay? So uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Jones is at the edge of a chasm. He takes a step into what looks like thin air. His foot lands on something solid. Jones has a map. He knows the bridge is supposed to be there. He just can't see it. With each step forward, the ability to take the next step gets easier, even though it's still not visible. We live by faith, not by sight. But faith still has substance. So these four types of faith, fuzzy faith, intellectual faith, word faith, blind faith, none of these will give life. None of these are the faith we see in Hebrews 11. So what's going on in Hebrews chapter 11? Well, go back to verse 1. Go back to verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. What we are talking about this morning, we are going to call forward faith. While not intended as a technical definition, Hebrews 11.1 1 is certainly a functional definition of faith. It teaches us how faith works. Here's the key point. The author, the preacher in Hebrews 11, presents faith in contrast to retreat or drawing back, shrinking back from God. 
The word for assurance in Hebrews 11.1 purposefully sounds similar in Greek to the word for shrinking back in Hebrews 10.39. The author uses two words that sound similar. This is kind of the ancient form of a pun or a dad joke uh, is what's going on here. But he's using two words that sound similar to establish a contrast between the retreat people, the people who are backing away from Jesus, and the faith people. Based on this, the rest of chapter 11 into chapter 12 is a long illustration of what faith looks like when it's put into action. So what is faith? Here's a one-word definition. Forward. Faith in Hebrews 11 is about endurance, perseverance, faithfulness. Faith moves forward with Jesus and forward to eternal life. Now here's my long definition of faith. You're not supposed to memorize this. Just let this be a blessing to you. Think about the different parts of it. What is faith? Faith is pressing forward on the basis of God's word, Jesus' sacrifice and example, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the example and the encouragement of the church. We're going to talk about all of those in a second. Despite not being able to see above or beyond our current situation. This forward faith, which sometimes includes big steps, but usually and always includes daily faithfulness, might have different short-term results, even some hard, painful results but will always lead us on the path of God's life now and forever. Faith is the defining characteristic of every Christian, not just the missionaries, not just the pastors, not just the heroes you look up to. Every Christian is defined by faith. We have reasons to believe, but these reasons are not visible in the way we expect. If you take Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and you look at the two parts of verse 1, it's like looking at the two sides of the same coin. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. These represent the two realities we can't experience without faith. The divine reality, which we're going to call the space dimension, and the future reality, which we're going to call the time dimension. And I should just say right now, if you're here this morning, and you're here because you love friends and family, and you're just kind of seeking out these things, but you're not a Christian you don't believe in God, you're kind of unsure about faith. People who struggle with faith, these are the two things they struggle with, and, and they have good points on this. Their points are, how would you believe, how could you believe in a God you can't see, and how can you believe that God is in control of a future you haven't been to? How do you know that God's in control of all things, and how can you know that God is in control of the future? What, is that, what does that look like? Well, without our, with our senses, we can't see above to everything God is doing, and we can't see beyond to where things are going, but faith is the assurance and conviction of trusting God's word, his character, and his promises. Verse 6 reminds us that the only way to please God is to live with faith. God's not unjust. He rewards those who seek him. So here's the question. If you don't have faith or your faith feels weak, how do I have that faith? Why can I have faith that I can trust God, that I know that he's at work? Well, here's the four reasons that we can have faith. Number one, God's revelation of himself. He has made himself known to us. We believe God created all things that exist, and this creation came about by the power of his word. This is what Hebrews 11.3 11, teaches. What is visible to our eyes, to our senses, is not ultimate. The created world points us to a creator. We sense this when our hearts are drawn to justice, beauty, morality, adventure. 
We sense this when we study about math and science. We believe God is before and above all created things. And we know this most directly because God has spoken through his prophets, and he has spoken to us ultimately in his Son. His promises are certain, his word won't pass away, and God is perfectly trustworthy. Faith isn't opposed to wisdom, but neither is faith controlled by common sense. Faith is based on spiritual wisdom from above, on the power and truth of God's revelation. Number two, we have faith because of Jesus' sacrifice and example. Leading up to Hebrews 11, the preacher established over and over and over again the sufficiency of Jesus' sacrifice. Remember, the book of Hebrews, at the beginning of your Bible where it says Hebrews and it gives you the title, just write, Jesus is better. Like, that explains the whole book of Hebrews, that Jesus is better than anything else that you would encounter in the world. He is the great high priest. He is the perfect sacrifice for sin. We have faith because of who Jesus is and what he has done, even though we physically can't see him. Plus, we are able to move forward in faith because Jesus' life and ministry are an example of what this endurance looks like. And we're actually going to talk about that on Christmas Eve this year. Number three, we can have faith. We can move forward because of the Holy Spirit's guidance and power. The Spirit indwells, empowers, and guides us. There's a quote there from Craig Keener who says, The future reality invades our lives by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is promised for the future age, but through him we can taste God's presence and power in our lives in the present. And then finally, number four, we can have faith because of the church's example and encouragement. God gives us one another. He gives us the church to encourage us to keep going. I can't tell you how important it is to be connected to a church for this reason. That you have people around you who just say, we're going to go toward Jesus and you're going to come with me. I'm, I'm here with you. Like, we're going to love one another. We're going to encourage one another. And we're going to point one another toward Jesus. And we're going to keep walking that way. And friends, that is a hard path to walk by yourself. But God gives us the church. He gives us people to point us that direction. We need the local church and the global church. We also need the historic church. We're not the first people to walk this path. People throughout history who have believed God's promises, remained faithful, and kept moving. Beyond the initial comments about faith, Hebrews 11 is probably most famous for being what we call the Hall of Faith chapter. In your Bible, if you like to write in your Bible, when you get to Hebrews chapter 11, write Hall of Faith. You know, obviously playing off that Hall of Fame idea, but Hall of Faith is what Hebrews 11 is, is often called. In this chapter, we see multiple examples of faith throughout history. These examples were looking forward to salvation, and as we look back to Christ's death and resurrection, we learn from their examples. We're going to look at several examples in the two weeks ahead, but the opening verses of Hebrews focus on Abel, Enoch, and Noah. Each believed God deeply for the future, and this led them to live faithfully for God when others around them were not. Abel made sacrifices, Enoch walked with God, Noah built a boat when there was no rain around. When I think about those three figures, I think about Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. These verses, I think, summarize Abel, Enoch, and Noah for us. Here's what Romans 12 says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Abel presented his sacrifice to God, gave himself fully to God. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is how Enoch lived, not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Page 5. Each of these characters took steps of faith over a long period of time, and God rewarded each, though not in the same way or at the same speed. Faith doesn't always produce the immediate results we want, but God is always faithful to carry his people of faith into a future of eternal life and new creation. Get this up here. This is faith. Faith has an eternal focus that produces daily faithfulness. If you want to know, am I a person of faith? Is my life focused on the future, on eternity? And am I being faithful to Jesus right now? Like that's what faith looks like. It has this eternal peace, this heavenly peace, and it matters in the way I live my life right now. Faith is future looking, allowing us to see beyond the material world and beyond the present time, but faith also involves this tension. Sometimes it means making plans for the future and taking risks. Other times, faith just means walking faithfully each day in the Spirit. Faith and wisdom aren't enemies. Because we have faith that God's promises are true, His future is good, His way leads to life, we remain faithful to Him in the present, and we move forward with hope. Faith isn't a matter of having every step outlined for us. And you see I put three asterisks next to that in the state of the church. The reason I did that is because not only am I president of the overthinking club, I'm also president of the overplanning club as well. Okay, so like those of you who need everything outlined exactly where you're going to go, uh, it's really good to be married to someone who's not necessarily like that, who kind of balances you out in, in the process. And so faith means we may not have every step of our life outlined for us. Sometimes God leads with a pillar of smoke and fire, and sometimes he leads with a Bible verse and a well-timed conversation from a friend. Sometimes he leads you with just the lifelong formation of spiritual wisdom in your heart. But we can know that God always leads his people forward. The question is, will we trust him? As you think about your life at this moment, and you think about the future, are you walking through faith in Jesus? Is that what drives your life? That your faith in Jesus is what keeps you moving forward. And you're going to show God's love to people in the present. And you're going to make sure you're living for things that matter 12 million years from now. God, my faith is in Jesus. This is how I want to live my life. And then the question we have to ask, if that's true, if we want to be people of faith, we have to ask, is our church characterized by faith? Are we just doing what's easy? Are we just doing what we've always done? Or are we going to be people who say, we want to look to the future. We want to say, God, lead us to where you have us to go. Show us what you have for us in the future. Are we going to be a church characterized by faith? Page six in your State of the Church address moves to a section where each year we look back to God's faithfulness, how God has worked through this past year, and then we're going to look forward. Because of time, we're only going to just kind of cruise through this section I have 10 total things. I kind of put together a top 10 list for 2023. We're going to cruise through 1 through 5 for the next couple of minutes. And then 6 through 10 are on page 13. Or even better yet, come back at 5 o'clock tonight and we'll, we'll talk through the rest of this. But kind of looking back at 2023, what are we celebrating? How have we seen God's faithfulness that then moves us to move ahead as a church? Number one, baptisms. Thank you guys for being baptized today to help my point. Like, great, great job for that. Uh, so far this year, 
We've had 32 baptisms, including these two uh, this morning. At one time, we celebrated baptism seven out of nine weeks in a row. Friends, that's exciting. We've had adults baptized, students baptized, elementary kids baptized. There's a lot to celebrate that. If you've not been baptized as a follower of Jesus, talk to someone. Reach out to someone about that. My information is right there, my cell phone number, my email. Just reach out. We'd love to talk to you about God's work in your life. If you've not been baptized, holidays 2023, beginning of 2024, take that step of faith. New church members. This year, including the family this morning, We've seen 73 new members join Emmaus. You might ask, how does somebody do that? Well, on the second Sunday of each month, we have a membership class where you can come. And so next Sunday, 9.15, out in the lobby, we have our membership class. We'd love for you to come and be a part of that. We also have what's called the Discover Emmaus Lunch. 2024, we'll get to this later, but we're going to tweak that a little bit. We're going to go from Discover Emmaus Lunch to Discover Emmaus Brunch. <laughs> We're going to do it at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, the first Sunday of each month. So Emmaus members, I know we've confused you about this through the years, okay? So this is my gift to you. If you're an Emmaus member, this is my gift to you. If you have a friend coming to Emmaus, or they're trying to find a church to join or connect with, here's the deal. If they need to take a first step in connecting to a church, that's the first Sunday of the month during Sunday school, out in the lobby. Discover Emmaus brunch every first Sunday of the month, out in the lobby. If they're ready to take a second step and join the church, that's the second Sunday of the month, during Sunday school, out in the lobby for the membership class. So, famous last words that'll never confuse anybody, but that's our plan, okay? First Sunday of the month, you take a first step. Second Sunday of the month, you take the second step if you're interested in membership. That's the plan. Okay, number three, page seven. Man, we want to celebrate God's work in our young adult ministry, college and career, young adults and young couples. God has brought multiple people into our young adult ministry. This ministry area is infamous for being hard to label. Essentially, the area I'm talking about is 18 to 29 years old, but 29 turns into 33 or 39 or 41 or 99. And so if you want to be a young adult at Emmaus, be a young adult at Emmaus. Uh, it's the same way Jaron categorizes senior adults, Jaron will never tell you when you enter the senior adult ministry. You just follow Jim Lee Hugh and he'll just lead you right in there um, to where that senior adult ministry is. But uh, you get to decide when you're a senior adult, which equally means you get to decide when you're a young adult. If you want to be a part of the young adult ministry, go for it. Um, the young adult ministry at Emmaus meets together all together at times. Hibachi, like that's their favorite. But then they also divide up for other types of things. And man, God has been kind to our church when it comes to young adult ministry. And it's going to be fun to see what this looks like in the years ahead. Number four, our West property. If you drive, drive around back, we're about 90% finished with that project. If you coach a t-ball team, softball team, soccer team, flag football team, if you know somebody looking for a place to practice, we've got a great spot back there. We've got a pavilion back there we'd love for your family to use anytime. People are using that area, so that's back there, and um, it's, it's been a lot of fun to have. Number five, we have a new Falls Creek cabin this year. We're in First Baptist Durant's cabin, great location, great opportunity for growth among our students. Students, keep inviting your friends. You guys are doing an amazing job about that. Keep inviting your friends. Keep investing there. Okay, looking ahead, here we go. You say I don't overplan. Actually, I do overplan. I want to lay out kind of the next 12 years for Emmaus, okay? Don't throw anything at me. Don't yell at me. Don't walk out the door just yet, unless you have to walk out the door with a kid, which is totally fine. But uh, 
What, what, what does God have for us in the future? In this section, I want to walk through a series of four three-year frames. For each frame, we'll focus on both who and what. Faith shapes our character, who we are, and guides our actions, what we do. 2024 includes many unknowns. Continued war in Ukraine, the Israel-Gaza war, uncertainty about China's actions in the world, another presidential election, need we say anything more, uh, the global refugee crisis, economic uncertainty. Those are the obstacles furthest from us. I'll mention more closer to home tonight. So with that uncertainty in mind, why even talk about the future? Why talk about the next 12 years? Well, two words, preparation and margin. By being prepared and building margin, time and money, we'll be less likely to try to force our own plans to happen and more likely to seek God's will and purposes. We want to be prepared to respond to God's work in our lives. As we grow spiritually and consider the future with wisdom and faith, we'll be ready to respond to the direction of God's Spirit. If you want to know more about that, just ask our members who went through the Experiencing God study uh, this last year. Page 8. The fun of the next few pages only works if we have deep trust in God's sovereignty, a commitment to humble faith, and a focus on loving people over programs or buildings, keeping a clear focus on worship, discipleship, and missions. We establish frames knowing that even as we make plans, God often works in unexpected ways. And can we just say amen to that? If you look back at your life and you think about how you planned your life to go, and then you think about where you are right now, you think, how did I get here? Like, God, how in your faithfulness and kindness did you lead my life to be where it is right now? Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Man, I love this verse. I think about this verse all the time. We make our plans. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So, with those cautions in mind, what's the pathway forward? Frame number one. Frame number one covers 2024 to 2026. You might say to yourself, I don't know what I'm having for lunch today. Why are we talking about 2026? Hang, hang with me, okay? Remember, we're just preparing. We're, just, we're thinking, God, where are you leading us? What's this going to look like as a church? We're going to call this frame strengthen, okay? We're going to call this next three years, we're going to strengthen. We want to strengthen our biblical and theological focus. We can't back away from God's word. We can't back away from the gift of being a church together. Sunday school, man, you saw Sunday school on display up here. Small groups, equipped classes, plus we need to focus on connecting with those who are homebound or those who work almost every Sunday. How can we care for them? We need to continue to strengthen our missional focus. You see that on display this morning as Kennedy continued to lead in that area and we continue to get involved in missions. Top of page 9. We need to strengthen our financial base for the budget, for missions, for phase two of the master plan. We have to continue to push our future building line up. Emmaus is so generous, okay? I mean, when we talk about finances, this church is incredible. Our giving matches exactly where we were in 2018. Our offerings this year will probably be almost exactly where we were in 2018 which would be amazing if everything costs the same amount that it cost in 2018. Like, that'd be incredible. It doesn't. And we have more ideas and more things we want to pursue. And so we just have to continue to be generous, continue to be faithful in giving. And, and I'm so thankful for how you are as a church. We just have to continue to strengthen and push ahead in these areas. Identify some other sources of revenue and funds, uh, long-term gifts and estates. 
We just found out this last week that our good friend Jim Harris left a portion of his estate to Emmaus that will be used for ministry in the years to come. And those of you that make that commitment to do that, I'm so thankful for that. That's part of God's faithfulness in our church family. And we're also interested in what we call miracle gifts. <laughs> those are large gifts that you look at the check and be like, oh, thank you, thank you, Lord, for your kindness in that. That God would provide some of those as well. We're going to strengthen our relational base of disciple making and leadership development. We need to be a church where we encourage one another to grow spiritually, and we need to be a church where we love one another in the process. And over the next few years, 2024 to 2026, we're going to study through John's gospel uh, and, and his writings, his letters. And all of this leads to December 6, 2026, which will be the 40th anniversary of Emmaus. And if you think I'm obsessed with the number three, you haven't seen my obsession with the number 40 when we get to the fall of 2026, okay? So just, just prepare yourselves. Just prepare yourselves now for, for that obsession. I don't know what that's going to look like. 40 days of prayer, 40 days of the word, 40 days of gospel projects, 40 days of sharing stories. You're going to hate the number 40 by the time we get that point. But it's going to be fun to see, how, to see how God uses that. We're going to establish a giving goal for our 40th anniversary when we get there. And then here's the thing. Remember, you put December the 6th, 2026 in your calendar already. At that meeting, our hope is that we're able to vote to move ahead with phase two of our master plan. And I'm going to tell you some more about that in a second. All right, top of page 10. Top of page 10 takes us to frame two, which is 2027 to 2029. Now you're really panicking because all your teenagers are graduating at this point, all right? Your, your little preschoolers are in school. Things are going, th this is like panic mode for parents, but frame two, 2027 to 2029, we're going to call transition because that's going to be years of transition for our church. We see plans moving ahead. We see what God has for us. The hope is that we're building a new preschool and children's building uh, at that time, a new connection atrium. We got these ideas. If you want to know more, look at the end of the State of the Church Address and you can see, see that. 2027 to 2029, we're going to be studying Exodus and Ephesians, um, working through those books that are important. All of that points to 2030. You're like, why is 2030 a big deal? Well, 2030 is when we're going to celebrate 2,000 years of Jesus' ministry. That leads us to frame number three. Frame number three is 2030 to 2032. We're going to call that Live Like Jesus. We're going to study the life of Christ and the gospel of Luke. Scholars debate, this is the bottom of page 10, scholars debate the exact years of Jesus' ministry, but many place the beginning of his ministry in the year A.D. 30. Based on this, 2030 is 2,000 years of his public ministry. So we want to spend those years learning again to live as Jesus lived, having our lives shaped by his teaching and actions, having our church shaped by hospitality, prayer, outreach to the vulnerable. Hopefully our kids will be in a new building at that point, learning about the Word of God. And then top of page 11, there's something that is called finish the task. Many churches are going to be working during these years, 2030 to 2032, they're going to be working on something called finishing the task leading up to 2033. The goal is to get the gospel to every people group on earth, which means for Emmaus, from 2023, right now, to 2033, the next 10 years, we are praying that God will connect our church with a people group that has never had access to the gospel. 
And if that feels like a throwaway line, that is not a throwaway line. Like, you have to understand, for the next 10 years, our prayer as a church is, God, take this little church in southwest Oklahoma City and help us get the good news of Jesus to a group of people on the planet who have literally never heard the name of Jesus before. And for the next 10 years, that is our crystal clear focus. That is our prayer. That's our goal. God, help us be a part of that. And that's going to take all of us together, praying and working in that direction. That leads to 2033. 2033 to 2035, frame number four, it's going to be called Be the Church. Skipping down where it says resurrection in the book of Acts. As with Jesus' public ministry, scholars debate when Jesus died and was resurrected. But hold your, hold on to your seat, okay? This is really good. A fairly strong consensus puts the death of Jesus on April 3rd, A.D. 33 at 3 p.m., is that not great or what? Like the number three is just all over that right there, all right, for the death and then leading to the resurrection of Jesus. And there's good historical reasons for this. So this dating would make spring 2033 the 2,000-year anniversary of Jesus' death, resurrection, the spirit at Pentecost, the start of the church. After studying the Gospel of Luke over the previous few years, 2033 would be a great time to explore the book of Acts and to plant another church. During this three-year window, 33 to 35, if not before, I pray God will open doors for Emmaus to start another church with the goal of doing this before or on our 50th anniversary. In the early 1980s, our friends at First Baptist Moore had the God-given vision to start a little church in the middle of nowhere in southwest Oklahoma City with the Baptist Children's Home as our strategic and literally only neighbor around here. We need to pay this forward by getting involved in church planning. I don't know if this new church will be in Eastmore, the Middle East, or somewhere in between. The location will come. We need to pray and prepare. And then all of that leads us to our, our 50th anniversary. Okay, here's the summary. Frame number one. For the next three years, that we would grow strong as a church. That we would strengthen ourselves in the Lord, in his word, as a church. Leading to, in your phone, already marked in your calendar, December the 6th, 2026, okay, for our 40th anniversary. Frame number, oh man, my numbers got messed up. I knew that was going to happen. All right, that's okay. I can, deep breath, I can handle this, all right. Uh, frame number two, 2027 to 2029, it's a time of transition. 30 to 32, live like Jesus. 33 to 35, be the church leading to our 50th anniversary in 2036. What does this mean right now for you, for me, for our church? Think about Advent for just a second that Jaron talked about earlier, this idea of Advent. Advent, which begins today leading up to Christmas, Advent is a time that people, we remember what it was for people to anticipate the work of God to look ahead knowing God was going to be faithful to his promises, knowing God was going to send the Savior. And there was all this time of waiting, all this time of faith, all this time of expectation, knowing that God was going to be faithful. Will I be a person of faith in Jesus, living daily for God, walking with hope into the future? When you think about your life and you think about the future, what direction is your life going? When people look at your life, do they say, man, that person's a person of faith. Like their life is focused on Jesus 
and they're moving after Jesus every day. They're focused on him. My hope is when you leave today, you don't worry about 2036, okay? <laughs> That's so far out in the future, we're not worried about that. You don't even need to worry about 2024. But the question is, Lord, am I responding to your work in my life today? Because the way we prepare for the future is by today saying, Lord, I trust you. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for your kindness and faithfulness today. Thank you for these preschoolers, what they mean to us. God, so many little babies uh, been born here at Emmaus recently and, and will be born soon. God, we're so thankful for those little ones, just the gift of young families. God, thank you for these students. God, thank you for the joy that our teenagers bring into our lives. God, it's easy in our world for people to talk about teenagers in a way that's so negative. And God, we love these teenagers. God, thank you for them inviting their friends. Thank you for these students who are being baptized and following Jesus at school, even when it's not easy. God, thank you for a church committed to missions. God, as we send out families, as we send out missionaries, as we support people, God, thank you for that. Thank you for the joy of the music of Christmas. And God, right now, we pray as we think about our lives, as we think about our church, God, would you move us forward in faith? We don't want to be Christians who are retreating from the mission you've given us. We don't want to be Christians who are living in fear. We definitely do not want to sit around in laziness and passivity, God. We want to move forward in faith because Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. God, would you move us forward this afternoon, next week, and the years to come, and we want to do all things for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.